0: When our family went to Lithuania as missionaries, um, I was appointed to serve three small churches. And one of them was in the little town, or not little town, uh, the city, third largest city in Lithuania of Kaunas. And the, the general population of, of Lithuania is, is Catholic and kind of, for the most part, they were, they were very skeptical. Uh, they didn't think that the United Methodist Church uh, was really even a church. You know, like to, to be a church, you needed to, to worship in a, a cathedral or a basilica, uh, not have worship in a, in a little storefront that used to be a bar, um, which is where we would meet for worship. And so um, Sunday after Sunday, we would gather in this little space, and we would have a Bible study, and uh, then we w- then we would have worship. And Linus was always there, and and Linus was skeptical too. And, and in fact, uh, Linus said uh, that that he was an atheist. Um, uh, he was kind of a kind of a big guy. Um, he was very young, uh, really really smart business guy in in the community. Um, And he was always there with his big smile. Um, And he was there because his wife, Yergitta, was our translator. And so I remember one particular Sunday, our our topic for the day was discipleship. And we were studying uh, Matthew 5.13. You know, that's that place where Jesus says, uh, you are the salt of the earth and you have to be good salt. And and so we were talking about uh, what does good salt do? You know, like uh, good salt will make you thirsty. Um, Good salt will will spice things up. It will help preserve things and prevent decay. Like if if good salt is is gonna be effective, um, like it has to get close. Uh, It has to touch your food. The, The salt has to leave the shaker. And, and if good salt is going to be effective, it, it has to be in community. You know, like, one grain of salt doesn't really do my mashed potatoes much good. Like, the impact happens um, when we're together. And I remember um, catching Linus's eyes as we're talking about these things. Um, and, and he was always listening. And he was always curious. and. You know, because we needed his his wife, Yurgita, for pretty much everything that we did, he was around for our after-school program at the church, where where 40 of the, the, the kids, poor kids from the community, would come every single day after school, and they would get a hot meal, and, and they would get some help with their homework. Um, because his wife, Yurgita, was our translator, he was always around when um, medical teams would come from the United States and from England and and when Chan would have a clinic and and the poor people from the community would come and and get the medical attention Um, and he would always be around he would he would uh, tag along for you know like after there was some event or some conference when the missionaries and the work teams and the the translators would all go to a local restaurant Um, and he was there for the really good food and for the laughter and uh, and and for the friendship you know uh, our text for today, um, it's, it's a, a text about discipleship. Um, Jesus is um, standing at the shore and, and He's teaching, and the crowd gets so big and starts, starts pressing in um, that He gets uncomfortable. He's kind of running out of room, like they were pressing in so much. Um, Luke tells us that they wanted to hear the Word of God. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and and so they're they're pressing in. And you know, uh, that's how discipleship begins. And I wonder sometimes, um, am I pressing in enough? Do we press in to hear a word from God enough to make things uncomfortable? Um, Well, the fishermen, they were just kind of minding their own business, literally. And then Jesus commandeers one of their boats. And, and they put out just just a little ways into the shallows, and he sits down to teach. Uh, I, I did a little research about the g- geography around the lake, and kind of in that area where they w- they probably were uh, near Capernaum, where Jesus made his home. Like the, the shoreline, it was a zigzagging shoreline, and, the, and there were sometimes would be these uh, there were th- these series of inlets, so that if you were to to, to go out you know, into the water just a ways. You could have all of these people um, in, in this, what created like a natural amphitheater. And, and right out in the water, you could speak almost with a, your natural voice and be heard by everyone, more so than if you were standing on, on the shore right next to them. And so uh, Jesus, uh, he finishes his sermon and then he says to Peter, let's take the boat out into the deep water. And you know, uh, when the water gets deep, it can be a little scary. And, and Peter pushes back a little bit, you know. Um, it's not because he's afraid. Um, that's like his stomping grounds, but it's because he's tired. Like, he's exhausted. He's um, probably feeling a a little bit annoyed because here he was, out of the boat, off of work, after a a long night of of fishing. I mean, he's already cleaned his nets. He was almost home, like, you know, uh, surely ready for a good coffee or some breakfast or a crawl into the bed you night shift people know about that kind of fatigue you know you're you're at the end of that kind of a day and that's where Peter was at but out they go um, out into uh, out into the deep water again and you know when the water gets deep we begin to to see who God really is and that's what happened in our story the The nets were dropped, the fish that they caught were were so many. Um, It was one of those moments, you know, like they knew something extraordinary was going on Um, and there were were so many of them that uh, the the boats were sinking. Um, I tried to imagine what that was like. I I also wondered what kind of fish, what kind of fish were they? they say it could have been sardines. There's this uh Kinneret sardine um that in fishing season they catch millions and millions of, of these sardines in a single night. And in Jesus' time, they would preserve them by pickling them. Uh, pickled sardines and and Magdala was the was the place where this industry was um was a big deal. Another kind is uh this fish called a biney, um, and they're huge. They're like 13 to 15 pounds. They can, they can get you know, even bigger than that. And it's, it's like um, in the carp family, and it looks like a carp, and carps are kind of nasty, I think. Um, and and um, they, they use, the, the Jewish people will, will use these bineys um, for kind of like uh, Passover and, and feasts and stuff. And then the, the, the third kind, and probably the most popular fish that, that, that comes out of the, the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Gennesaret or, or the Sea of Tiberius, um, it's the same lake, just different names, is the, what they call the Moshed, Um And it's like the Tilapia Galilea, but it's also known as St. Peter's fish. Um, but God shows up, and, and they get a sense of that. And I tried to imagine them being in that boat, like with those kinds of fish maybe, and there's so many of them that, that the boats are sinking. Like they've got to just be completely covered in this fish slime and, 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 and all of the mess, which, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of appropriate because another thing that happens when the water gets deep is that we begin to see who we really are. I mean it really starts to get real you know. Um, When I'm in the presence of God um, I began to to realize just uh, how small I am and how uh, sinful I am. In the presence of God I become aware of my sin and that's what happens with Peter. You know, um, he like falls down uh, and, and confesses. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm, I'm a sinful man. Uh, Fred Craddock says, you know, and I love this. It's like with Jesus, uh, Peter's sin doesn't disqualify him. That same power that that uh, gripped Peter and and." Uh, brought him to his knees is the same power that that lifts him, um, and and uh, calls him into ministry, and you know. That's another thing that happens when the water gets deep. Uh, we begin to hear God's call to discipleship. Um, Howard Gregory, I I really like what what he says in his commentary about this about this text Uh, he says this call to fish for people the outcomes are unpredictable when people risk encountering each other across cultures groups and traditions when we move beyond the stereotypes we've embraced it's an invitation to venture out into new ground or new depths to new challenges in mission and ministry he says that we come to realize that the most profound and significant experiences of, of God in life are not to be found in the safe ways and the safe places. And you know, if your experience is anything like mine, you know <laughs> that people can be kind of scary out there in the deep places. And so, and so Jesus tells them, from now on, you're going to be catching people. I thought about that. Like, what does that mean exactly? I'm going to be catching people. Well, when it's fish, I mean, we, we catch them, we get them in the boat, we, we scale, we clean them up, you know, we scale them, we, we get the guts out. Um, and we get, them, we get them ready for the frying pan. Uh, we get them ready for the table. Um, I, I think probably the most widely used quote of Jesus um, in the New Testament about discipleship is the one at the end of Matthew's Gospel where um, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations. And I don't know, that one, you know, it's never been my, my most favorite. Maybe it's just the way that it's worded. I'm sure that that's it. But but it always, you know, makes me think like that I can make you a disciple. Well, I can't make anybody a disciple. And it also, I think, lends itself to this possibility that you're going to become my project uh, in, instead of my friend. I, I really like what what Katie Seymour said in our staff meeting a, uh, a week ago. Uh, in our staff meetings, we end every Monday staff meeting, Thursdays too for that matter, uh, with our two words. Um, Michael will say, what's your two words? And we'll go around the table and we'll go around the Zoom. Um, and we're all just given honest assessment with two words of this is how we are. Um, so we might say, oh we're feeling great, we're ready, We're we're good, or we're blah, or we're frosty, or, you know. Um, well, Katie said, I'm salty. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Based on what Jesus says, you know, that means she's, she's full of life. She's holy and, and spicy and, and contagious. Um, you know, uh, when we're salty, we leave the shaker and we launch out into the deep together. Um, there's this, uh, I think, pretty widely read essay uh, by an eight-year-old boy named Danny Dutton. Um, he's, he's from uh, Chula Vista, uh, California, a third grade homework assignment. It was Explain God. Uh, here, here's Danny's essay on God. One of God's main jobs is making people. He makes them to replace the ones that die, so there will be enough people to take care of things on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think because they're smaller and easier to make. That way, He doesn't have to take up His valuable time teaching them to talk and walk. He can just leave that to mothers and fathers. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. An awful lot of this goes on since some people, like preachers and things, pray at times beside bedtime. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or TV because of this, because cause He hears everything. There must be a terrible lot of noise in His ears unless He has thought of a way to turn it off. God sees everything and hears everything and is everywhere, which keeps Him pretty busy. So you shouldn't go wasting His time by going over your mom and dad's head, uh, asking for something um, they've, they've said you couldn't have. He said, Atheists are people who don't believe in God. I don't think there are any in our town. At least there aren't any who come to our church. If you don't believe in God, you'll be very lonely. Because your parents can't go everywhere with you, like to camp. But God can. It's good to know He's around when you're scared of the dark or when you can't swim and you get thrown into real deep water by big kids. You know, I think about this whole uh, catching people thing. When we talk about catching people, um, maybe it's more like, I'll catch you on the phone, or I'll catch you for dinner, or I'll, I'll catch you when you fall. When we were leaving Lithuania, the little church our little storefront church gave us a, a going-away party. Um, and, and Linus was there with, with Jurgita. And he had a, a gift for me. It was this, this nice little canning jar um, with a, a, a metal clasp and this really delightful lime green colored lid. And it was full of salt. Uh, salt from the Baltic Sea. And he didn't say very much. He just looked into my eyes with his moist eyes, nodded his head and said, thank you. You know, it might be a little scary, uh, but when the water gets deep, life gets really, really good. Amen.